The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery Offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery Here's Rev. Dan Beckett Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelinch. Today we'll discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we will respond to a listener question or comment. So please let us know what's on your mind. We love to hear from you. Today's show is entitled The Next Right Thing. I might think, sure, I want to do, quote, the next right thing, but what is it? When we get into addiction recovery, we learn to be mindful of our actions. We hear the phrase, do the next right thing, and that seems like a really good idea. But what does that mean exactly? And how am I supposed to know what the next right thing is anyway? Well, today we want to explore finding and acting on the next right thing as a way of life that leads to joyful purpose. So today we'll begin by sharing our own experiences of that aimlessness that we felt. Then we'll move into the solution of the power of order. After the break, we'll share exactly how the power of order helped us to move from that aimlessness to a joyful purpose. So Dan, tell us a little bit about what aimlessness was like for you. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about that is and, and this is also in hindsight, uh, once again, just like with so many of uh, the things that we talk about, the what we were like, you know, the downside of pre-recovery life, I really was not aware of all of this. I can see it a lot more clearly uh, in the rearview mirror, so to speak. Right, but I think I was overly attached to material goals. Mm. You know, I didn't really have a spiritual life to speak of. And so the only thing I had was kind of the, um, you know, the material sort of the here and now, so to speak, uh, without really being, without having a larger sense of um, life and the universe. And so I think I just ended up with, you know, too much time thinking too much about, you know, a vacation or a car or, you know, whatever it is that was a material want or need 
because right. I really was not was uh, really was out of touch with even the whole concept of of a of spiritual well being. So that kind of only left me with material stuff. So that's and that feels now that's a kind of aimlessness from where mm-hmm. I sit now. It definitely looks like a kind of aimlessness, even though at that time, I I definitely would not have noticed it. Right. Well, that's all you knew, right? I I totally had the same experience. I had no spiritual life to speak of. And so in lieu of that, you know, for me, it wasn't material stuff so much as it was achievement. Um, It was, you know, what is the next uh, thing I'm going to achieve, the next degree I'm going to get. Um, And, you know, that's really what our culture teaches, right, is to be constantly in achievement mode, constantly striving for that next thing, whether it's a material thing. Um, And so that aimlessness looked like that for me, like just not having any spiritual life at all to speak of. Yeah, I I feel the same way. Everything you just said, I could affirm for myself. and, And a big part of it is or was for me. I'm grateful that it's not uh, like this right now, but really lacking any any larger, I don't know, I'm not sure how to say it, any sort of larger sense of context, if right. you will, for my life. Like there was no um, there was no sense of meaning that was attached to anything other than sort of what I could see or hear or feel or you know, put my hands on. Um, and so not having any real larger framework for life other than, like I was saying, other than material things, um, definitely left me, um, I don't know, with a, with a life that compared to now, you know, it felt a lot flatter, like it was two dimensional Mm -hmm. or something. And it's not like I was, you know, walking around, uh, with my, with my head down in a rain cloud over me all the time. It wasn't like that at all, but. Um, looking back on it, there was a whole dimension. That's the way to think of it. There's a whole dimension of life that I was really not in tune or in touch with. I can't say that it, it, I can't say it wasn't there as much as I certainly wasn't conversant with it. I wasn't purposefully on um, any kind of non, you know, uh, spiritual path. Although I think it kind of peaked in every now and then. But you know, I didn't have the I didn't have the language around it. I didn't. Right. I didn't grow up in church. I, you know, I didn't have really anything to uh, understand it, any way to understand it. And so it just yeah. was, it felt like it, it wasn't there. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's hard to believe now with spirituality essentially being the center of my life that I once didn't have that at all. It's like, what, what was I doing? And there's that aimlessness, you know? So for me, with no spiritual life, with no uh, relationship with a higher power, it came down to basically my own need to try to control my destiny, to try to make the things happen that I thought needed to happen. But of course, all the while wondering if I was making the right choices, you know, um, if I'm the, you know, if I'm in charge of everything, that's kind of a scary situation. But if you don't have God on board, then you are in charge of everything, you know. And so I thought it was basically my self-will was what was going to be driving my life and making the decisions for me. And so I had a real need to 
um, a need to control the outcome of things, a need to try to figure out what was the next thing to do and what I needed to do and make it happen, that sort of needing to force things, which is very different than the way I operate now. Yeah, I had what I might now call a sense of detachment. Although, again, if I think about my perspective back then, um, I'm not sure I would see it that way. Maybe rather as if I come at it from the opposite direction, a lack of connection. But then again, you know, if, if that was because that was something that was very familiar to me, I didn't recognize it. It was like, you know, it was lost in the background. I didn't, I didn't know that until I had some experiences other than that to compare it to, you know, which of course I, I found in recovery and early recovery, even, I mean, in the first few months, even I, I really started to discover a sense of community that brought the opportunity um, to be a part of something that was larger than just me. You know, even, even at that early on, I'd, I didn't necessarily have the words around it. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know that I would have been able to articulate what it was, but I could feel it. You know, I could feel the, the power of the group. I could feel um, how much I liked being around other people who were on the same path, who were having a good time and were fun and funny. And, um, you know, it, I just felt good about being part of it. So, that's what began to show me that, oh, uh, guess what? Up till this point, I have never really had that yes. in this same way. Yeah, I relate to that lack of connection, you know, and I think not having those those true deep connections, um, I was always seeking false connections. So that that feeling of hanging out with people and drinking and feeling like that was connection. And it was really, um, it was me trying to, seek that connection, but not really looking for it in the right way. So I talked about, um, you know, before having any kind of spiritual life or any kind of relationship with a higher power, since I didn't have that, I was propelling myself through life based on my own self-will. Like we like to talk about in 12 step about self-will run riot. You know, that was me. Um, Very driven, very, you know, just power through. And one of the things that that resulted in was a lot of fear, a lot, a lot of fear, fear about what's going to happen in the future. You know, what career am I going to choose? Where am I going to live? You know, fear of economic insecurity was like always, always with me. Um, Because I think since I thought I was the one running the show, um, that led to a lot of fear because what if I was doing it wrong? What if I made the wrong decisions? What if I screwed up? And so I think I just had, I know I had a lot of worry, just a lot of worry, you know, that lying awake at night worrying. I mean, and all the alcohol related stuff too, worrying, did I drink too much? Did I say something dumb? Did I, where did I leave my car? You know, just all of that stuff. And then just worrying about the future. I can remember when I was getting ready to graduate from UC Santa Cruz and I didn't know what to do next. And I had like a little existential crisis because I was so fearful. I just, I had no idea how to discern what was mine to do because I thought it had to come from me, from my own brain, my own self-will. And I was paralyzed with fear. I ended up coming to Monterey and going to graduate school because I just didn't know what else to do. 
you know, and so that that's what that aimlessness felt like for me was not having any ability to discern a, a bigger picture. What is my purpose? Where am I going? What is mine to do? There was nothing guiding me. It was just me. Yeah, it reminds me of that phrase. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Oh, yes, that's, you know, the, that's the title <laughs> of my memoir. And I and I did some wonderful things because they seemed like a good idea at the time. And I did some very uh, dubious things for the very <laughs> same reason. But yeah, it's reminding me uh, what you're sharing is reminding me my own um, at that time, my own sort of la- lack of um, lack of purpose, a sense of lack mm-hmm. of purpose. Now, not goals. I always had goals. And I think I mistook goals for purpose, Uh but purpose to me is, is much, much larger. I mean, goals would be say steps along the way on a path and the path is purpose. So I didn't really have purpose other than to, you know, to do better, uh, in the world, to, to make money and, um, you know, to aspire to having this or that possession, have a nice house, have, you know, have fun with the family and definitely more short cycle things and not, not a, not a context, not a larger sense of context. And this of course left me feeling kind of isolated. And again, that's something that I was very used to. And I don't know that I even recognized it as such until uh, just like I was sharing previously, until I started to get involved in recovery communities and had experiences of what not feeling isolated was like. I mean, making mm-hmm. what I now call heart connections. You know, that's another way of saying, telling the truth about what's going on to people who are not trying to fix me, you know, who are just listening and maybe nodding their heads like, oh yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. And that was not nothing that I had really uh, been aware of or experienced much up to that point, you know, Mm -hmm. but now let's, uh, let's shift gears now that we know about this challenge of aimlessness and it's in its many, many ways that it manifests in our lives. Uh, what is the solution? Well, in unity, as you may know, we affirm always that all of life is governed by what we call spiritual principle. Absolutely. In fact, our unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, developed a set of principles that he called the 12 powers. These are simple spiritual tools that we all have and we're all using, but we can learn to use them more skillfully in order to improve our life experience. And the the power that applies for us today is the power of order. And so that's what we want to focus on. But what do we mean when we say the power of order? How is order a power, whatever that is? And how do I know if I'm using it in a skillful manner or not? Or how do I even raise my awareness of how I'm using it so that I might be able to use it more skillfully? So, Michelle, when you think about uh, this power of order that we find in the unity 12 powers framework what does that mean to you how would you have if someone came up to you at uh, i would say on the street as if but if they came up to you at church much more yeah. likely and said what is this power of order anyway what what do you think oh gosh it's it's a it's a tricky um tricky thing to describe But basically what it comes down to me, for me, it comes down to 
Um, so we talked in the last segment about meaninglessness and that that sense of aimlessness and meaninglessness. So to me, order is the exact opposite of that. It's the idea that there is meaning in the universe. I may not fully understand it, but that we are not just aimlessly floating through space. There is some purpose for all of it. And for me, what that looks like is that there is a bias for good in the universe. I don't know exactly how that works. It's sometimes described as grace. Um, it's this idea that all things are working together for good, even though I know that my human understanding of good is um, limited. Uh, but it's the idea that there is a spiritual realm. There is a spiritual, you know, you were talking about not having any kind of spirituality in your life. When I came to see the world in spiritual terms, it all took on a new meaning, a whole new deeper meaning that was very organizing and harmonizing and uh, comforting to me. And so to me, that's what that order is. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. Uh, order to me also means that the universe functions somehow in an orderly manner. You know, even when I can't see that order, it's still in play. And all of this uh, reminds me again of that uh, famous statement from Martin Luther King Jr. about the the arc of the moral universe bends yeah. towards justice. Right. Um, to me, that's very much in line with what you were just sharing, that there is somehow or other, you know, some kind of um, arc to this, some direction, if you will. Now, uh, in unity, we certainly don't uh, affirm what one might call, um, you know, predestination or right. any anything like the concept that uh, my whole future is already written. I just don't know what it is. That's not where we're coming from in unity. But still, even without that, um, I think that we could affirm what MLK was saying about um, the arc bending towards justice. Another yes. way I've heard that put is that, you know, love always wins. You know, maybe not right away, but uh, eventually, at, at the end of the day, at, at the end, um, love will always win because of this very, to me, this very um, power of order uh, that we're talking about has the strong implication for me, just like I'm hearing it does for you, that yes. there is a, I'll just call it a direction, yes. for, for lack of a better term. A spiraling term. up is the way I like to look at it, a spiraling up. We have a phrase that we like to use a lot in my church, and I'm not exactly sure where it came from, but it says the that the universe or God can be described as the ever-expanding, ever-unfolding, upward-progressive movement of life. And so that's, to me, what that means, is that it's big picture. It's the big arc of the universe. So, you know, when we talk about this, that in my church, we like to say God is good all the time and things like that. And the question that immediately comes up is, well, but what about all the bad things that happen? What about the fact that people are starving on our planet? People are dying in wars. People right here in our own country are being separated from their families, children put in cages. There are horrible things happening all around. So when we say that there is a bias for good in the universe, that to me doesn't mean that everything that happens is necessarily good by my human standards. But it does mean that there is an overarching uh, 
movement towards more expansiveness, more expression of God, more goodness in the universe. And again, to me, that's what that order is. You know, what you're sharing is reminding me of that um, uh, famous book by Harold Kushner titled When Bad Things Happen to Good People, mm -hmm. because he's wrestling with that very same issue. In a sense, it is the biggest question in, yes. in this field that we uh, call theology that says, well, whatever, whatever our um, concept of the divine is, um, you know, how does it how does it look when we put it next to this question of why uh, do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. And I yeah, I, I definitely see that. And yes, and I'm with you that just because the arc of the moral universe, so to speak, um, tends towards justice doesn't mean that everything that happens is a step in that direction. It, it's very much a, you know, two steps forward, one step back, maybe one step back forward, maybe one forward, two back yes. sometimes, but, you know, on average over time in the, in the long haul, yes, I believe that that is a true statement that it does bend towards justice and it's the power of order that is ordering, if you will, you know, that that unfolding happens yes. in, an, in an orderly manner um, that we may or may not be able to see all of that divine order, if you will. You know, the 12 powers uh, each has a, a definition that I like to refer to to center myself again. And the 12 power definition of order is the ability to organize, balance, sequence and adjust. And I think all of those things apply even when we zoom way out like we are now um, and, and look at the broad uh, motion of what we're calling order, or at least seeing the power of order operating within organizing, right. balance, sequence, adjust. Yeah. So another question that often comes up when we're talking about these um, big ideas about order in the universe um, is about God's will. God's will for us. And it's something we talk a lot about in 12-step recovery also, you know, thy will, not mine, be done. And um, of course, my understanding of what that means has evolved, you know, hugely over time. One thing that was helpful to me that maybe folks in early recovery might find helpful, for me, when I think of God's will, um, you know, it, for me, it's not like the God, God wants the giants to win or, you know, that type of thing. Um, for me, God's will for me is always for my highest good. And again, that's big picture. Does that mean that the immediate things that happen in my life are going to be pleasant or are going to be the things that I want to happen or the things that from my limited human scope of understanding, I judge as good? It certainly doesn't, because I can say that looking back over my life, the things that happened that at the time I thought were just horrific, um, that I would have judged as bad, ultimately led to huge leaps in growth, in understanding, in movement in my life. So it just goes to show that from the human perspective, um, you know, it, we can't always see that big picture. We can't always see that it's all moving towards, again, I don't want to say good, but all mo moving towards more expansiveness, more growth, um, 
you know, we were just talking about Emily Cady earlier, and she has some wonderful phrases, which I probably won't get right off the top of my head, but something about that God is always seeking to express more fully through you. Mm. And so to me, that's true in the universe as well, that that one presence and one power that we call God is always seeking more expression through the material universe. And the that the will of that one power and one presence is always ultimately for good. Yeah, you know, what's coming to mind as you share that is that I'm, I'm reminded and I can think of um, some excellent teachers that I've had that have underscored this point that when something happens in my life, and even if even if uh, I and if I could go quickly gather ten friends and we would all adamantly agree that's bad, um, <laughs> I can I still have a choice. You know, I I don't have to. I'm I'm not saying that I'm going to find some uh, mental gymnastics to make it good. I'm right. not. But what I can say is that well, what is the what is the utility? What's the opportunity in this? What is the the love, loving or the growth opportunity that's contained in this? Because, uh, for example, I had a teacher that had some extremely difficult um, experiences as a young person, and she shared about how she hit a point in her life when she just couldn't carry that identity forward anymore. And she realized, I've got to rewrite my story. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a victim of all no. of these things. All of these things happened so that I would know exactly what it feels like to be powerless in that way. Yeah. And now that I know from personal experience exactly what it feels like to be treated like that, I know I will never treat someone like that. And I'll go forth in the world as a teacher with that knowledge, you know, all the more effective and powerful as a teacher because I had that experience. Now, I'd never wish it on anybody at all. And in fact, we could say the same thing, you know, about our addiction recovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It has been the most amazing opportunity-filled path that's so painful and difficult, I I would never wish it upon anyone. But if someone found themselves on this path, as I have, um, I could definitely affirm this is going to revolutionize your life in in a hugely positive manner. Just trust me. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly was a huge turning point for me. I mean, huge and was absolutely the beginning of a spiritual path for me. I would never have, you know, chosen it if I'd been asked, but that's the way it unfolded for me. You know, one of the other things I was thinking about when we talk about this order, I talked in the uh, first part about feeling like I had to control the universe and I had to be in charge of everything. So that order also allowed me to realize that the universe is operating perfectly in fact beautifully without me controlling it you know (laughs) and that's but that's a huge relief for this alcoholic that's a huge relief that i don't have to control and hold up the whole universe there is an order behind things and all things are working for good absolutely well hold that thought because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation so please stay with us
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Back and we're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jellinch. We will resume our discussion in just a moment, but we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and comments, feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there, and each week we will respond during the show to a listener question or comment, so please let us know what's on your mind. So prior to the break, we were discussing the aimlessness that we experienced in active addiction and in early recovery um, when we were living life with no God and no sense of a spiritual realm. And then we talked about uh, the power of order and how coming to know a higher power and coming to believe in that spiritual nature of the universe that we began to trust in the perfect order of the universe So, Dan, now that we know about the challenge of aimlessness and we know that the solution is the power of order, how exactly does that power of order lead us to a life of joyful purpose? Wow, that's a big question. You know, (laughs) when when I ask myself that, the first thing that comes to mind is I have a friend that's that's done a lot of growing um, spiritual growth and has a tattoo uh, among many. Uh, that that talks about or or displays, and I can't remember. I don't have a picture of it. I wish I did. That um, discipline is freedom, mm-hmm. and that's a statement that really uh, set me back. Discipline is freedom. Um, I, I I get it. I don't disbelieve it, but I think it's still unfolding in me exactly how those things work. And I think that's what we're talking about here today, because really I can see the power of order, or at least the the ways that I use the power of order could also be described potentially as um, the, the ways I am or am not disciplined in my life. And this concept mm-hmm. that um, being orderly, let's say, leads me to freedom uh, when I just kind of let that idea sit Uh, or float out there, I begin to see different ways where I think that that can be true. And I'll share those uh, during the show here today in a little while. But, you know, that 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 friend and that tattoo and that idea discipline is freedom uh, to me is the very core of this. So now you're making me think about what that means to me. Um, You know, at face value, it's like, what? Discipline? I mean, we're not terribly fond of discipline, right? But when I started to think about it, I was thinking that choosing a spiritual path is a discipline. And so when I came into, um, when I came into the 12 step program, when I came into unity, I made a choice to be on a spiritual path in my life. And that meant certain things about my life were going to be true, that spirituality was going to take a front row seat in my life, that um, I was going to take the third step and turn my will and my power, uh, my will in my life over to the power of God as I understood God. And that was a move toward a discipline. It was a move from being aimless, uh, operating on my own self-will, 
thinking I had to control the whole universe myself, living in fear of making wrong choices, to um, turning that will over, trusting in a spiritual universe that had my best interest always at heart, and trusting that God's will for me was always for my highest good, for my growth, for my expansion, for more, more full expression of the divine through me. And so that provides a spiritual discipline, a framework for my life. And through that framework, I'm free. You know, that's the freedom, is that the, the framework that that discipline provides allows me to be free. I can see that. And in, in a way, you know, I don't know why this just jumped in my mind. It's almost like uh, when, when maybe because I'm thinking about when I was younger, if I will just sit down and get my homework done, uh, then the whole rest of the day is mine. And I have literally created that freedom. I don't have to go around thinking, oh, man, I got to do that homework. Oh, why haven't I yeah. done that homework? Oh, crap, I got to do that homework. I'll just get it done, which is an act of discipline. And then I'm free for the rest of the day. You know, I've always... Uh, said that discipline, most people don't know this, discipline is a four-letter word. At least to me, it's a four-letter word. <laughs> I I was and still am in, in some ways willful, and I can be contrary, and um, I don't like to be told what to do, and I like to find my own way and, and figure things out for myself and blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's one reason I fit in so well here in our unity movement is that we're we are, uh, among other things, a group of, you know, independent thinkers, you know, free spirits uh, to, to a certain degree uh, for all of us. And so this whole discipline thing is an, is an unfolding, you know, an, an ongoing learning experience. I'm certainly far more disciplined now than I'd ever been, and I feel that I'm reaping the benefits uh, in uh, joy, joyful purpose, as we say, uh, mm -hmm. because of it. But I, I also know that I got a lot of uh, room for improvement. Um, I don't, I don't beat myself up about that. In a way, uh, I just recognize that, yeah, of course, this is a. We call it a growth path for a reason. You know, I'm on a spiritual growth path, not a, a spiritual arrival point. <laughs> and so there's always room for improvement. You know, there's always the next layer of the onion, so to speak. And rather than feeling down about that, which I certainly have in the past and probably could even today, uh, if I went too far off the, off the path, instead of feeling down about it, I, I think about all the opportunity, like, Oh good. You know, you mean it gets even better than this, yes. you know, that way of looking at it instead of like, Oh man, am I ever going to be done? You know, instead of right. that way of looking right. at it. And that's a choice that I make. Right. So yeah, power of order helps me experience freedom um, because I am willing to do things to create that freedom, you know, buckle down, so to speak. I do hate that phrase though. I wish I hadn't said it. Um, <laughs> be, be willing to uh, be orderly and to move ahead and get things done so that I can experience joyful freedom, joyful purpose. Yeah, well, the things you were describing, you know, we're, we're human. We continue to be human. We like to say um, at our church sometimes, you know, well, have you ascended today? Because I'm still here on this 
human, you know, a spiritual being having a human experience. So those are things that are always going to be challenging for us. You know, it was making me think about when I first came into the 12-step program, and I'm sure other people may have had this experience, when when we make the choice to um, live a sober life, whatever that means for us, and to uh, leave behind our life of active addiction, there can be a real fear that nothing is ever going to be fun anymore. <laughs> Do you remember that feeling? Yes. Oh, God, this is just going to not be fun at all. Like, you know... I, I can remember that. Like, how will I ever have fun without my addiction? And also, I remember feeling that way around the third step and that turning over of my will in my life to God. You know, we want to do God's will, but then we think, but what if God's will isn't fun? You know, well, I can assure anyone listening today that God's will will be so much more fun than anything you can imagine. And it does lead to more freedom. You know, that's just that addictive mind thinking that it's not going to be any fun and that discipline is just going to be boring and dry. And, you know, this sober living thing is just going to be a big bore. It has not been my experience and I'm seeing you nod. So I can probably assure that it has not been your experience either. Um, Again, it's that discipline leading to freedom. I mean, did we really have freedom before? When we're in active addiction, we're not living in freedom. We're living in bondage to our addiction. And then, of course, there's the bondage of self, too, which we hear about in 12-step. You know, that bondage of self, of being constantly thinking about myself and self-centered and self-obsessed and me, 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 me. I mean, that's a form of bondage. That's not freedom. It certainly wasn't freedom for me. Um, it's the giving up of self, the loosening of that ego, the opening up to something bigger and more expansive that leads to ultimately to our freedom. And, you know, I absolutely insist on having fun in my sober life. And I have more fun in sobriety than I ever could imagine. I do too. And yes, I am nodding my head because I felt exactly that way. You know, my life is over, you know, I'm going to, it's going to be boring and blah, blah, blah. And quite the opposite uh, has been true. Very, very much the opposite. So one example that comes to mind, I think about, well, how does order, how does me uh, using the power of order in a skillful manner help me experience joyful freedom instead of that kind of aimlessness? And one thing that comes to mind is uh, around church. Now, uh, you may know, uh, if you're listening, I'm the minister at Unity of Augusta in Augusta, Georgia, which I absolutely love. And part of that role is preparing during the week for the Sunday service and the other activities that happen on a Sunday. And I need to be very disciplined about getting those things done. I need to, um, you know, I need to share the the upcoming message title and the description that we put in the newsletter to the newsletter editor by a certain day. Um, you know, I need to have this in line and that in order. I need the slides and, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that have to happen in order for me to uh, have a positive experience there, which means I'm prepared. And so by the time I arrive on a Sunday morning, I'm not worried about anything. I'm just happy to be there. I'm happy to be with all of the people. I'm curious what's going to happen. Um, I love to hear what's going on, to look in people's eyes and see how they're doing and, you know, maybe answer questions or have a conversation and just be a part 
of this wonderful, wonderful community. And the reason I can do that is because I got all my ducks in a row during the week leading up to that point. Now, if I hadn't, then I'm going to be arriving on Sunday morning like, oh, man, I hope this goes or I'm not even sure what I'm going to say. You know, oh, did I get the slides right? You know, worry, 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 worry. And all of that goes away. Because I have the discipline to take care of each and everything. I have a checklist. I have the discipline to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of so that when I get there, I am in a place of freedom, which is exactly where I want to be, you know, in that joyful community. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about what someone like the Dalai Lama would say about discipline and freedom and you know, I'm sure that he would say that the, the discipline of spiritual practice, which, you know, in that tradition is meditation, leads to more freedom. Now, we can think of meditation as being anything but free, right? We got to sit there. We got to, you know, discipline our minds, got to, you know, whatever, sit in a certain way, breathe in a certain way. <laughs> and it can feel very chafing to those of us who like to do, you know, whatever we want. But through the practice of that discipline, we do attain more and more freedom. It's kind of one of those lovely spiritual paradoxes, you know, that are just always popping up, that it seems like you're losing control or losing power, but ultimately you're getting more freedom. So one of the ways that um, I was able to move out of that aimlessness into a power of more joyful purpose was by Um, adopting a spiritual practice. Now that's looked a lot of different ways for me over the years. Um, You know, in early recovery, it was more prayer, more traditional prayer, um, you know, the knees to the floor kind of prayer and such. Um, Now it looks a lot more like uh, meditation, contemplation. um, But I mix it up. I do a lot of different types of things. But That spiritual practice is the discipline in my life that I need in order to be able to know what to do next. So we talked in the lead in about how do we know what the next right thing is to do? And that's a huge question. Everyone has to sort of sort that out for themselves a little bit. But for me, it's about discerning God's will. Now, again, Does that mean that God has all these things planned out for me and I somehow have to figure out what they are so I don't do the wrong one? To me, it's not like that. It's more of taking my human ego and putting it in its rightful place. I like to use the get thee behind me scripture to um, refer to my ego, not go away entirely, but get thee behind me, get in the rightful place. And using the practice of prayer and meditation seek that access to God or what in unity we often call divine mind. Um, I also like to think of it as my higher self because it's not something that's purely external to me. It's external as well as internal. Um, And so I need that spiritual discipline in place in order to be able to seek the guidance and the wisdom of that higher self, that divine mind. And that's how I can discern what the next right thing to do is. Yes, that phrase, the next right thing to do, for me, it's it's really tied very intimately to this concept of um, order and, and the if I can apply the power of order or rather use the power of order in a skillful 
manner in my life as opposed to a you know an unconscious or an unskillful manner that that uh, in itself inevitably leads to some kind of freedom and just doing that in a sense is the next right thing so if i ask well you know what's the next right thing in any circumstance i mean in, at any moment in my life that question can pop into my head and i guess i have two ways of looking at how to respond internally when that question arises one of those ways is to uh you know do what we say turn within in prayer uh which looks a lot like meditation and even if that's ever so briefly i mean i don't have to you know go home light the incense light the candle and set the timer that's not what i mean i mean just pause a moment and maybe even someone looking at me would not realize what's happening because right. i don't need an outward posture in order to inwardly uh right. turn and inquire within we say asking what is good and right for me here in this moment. Yeah. Just a very open, open question. And then just mm -hmm. breathe a couple simple breaths, notice what those breaths feel like, and then see what happens. And then do whatever feels right from that point forward. So that's one yeah. way that I will approach um, th that when that question comes up, what is the next right thing to do? But another way that I can look at it, and I can do both, um, is look and, and say, well, what, you know, what do I know is right? You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's Tuesday and it's 1130 AM and I have committed to having Sunday's, uh, message title and description to the newsletter editor by noon. It's 1130. What is the next right thing to do? <laughs> That's pretty easy. You know, I know I'm, I'm giving a, a loaded example, but uh, there are times when if I look at it that way, there's a fairly clear next right thing to do. Like, well, why don't I take care of this? Because I know that it's right. I feel that it's right. Even if I don't, quote, feel like doing it, I feel that it's right. And on the other side of it, I know is some freedom where, uh, you know, everything changes and, and everything's different on the other side. And I can inquire if I need to, one more time. Okay, now that that is done, yes. where, where am I at? What's the next right thing? What feels right? How, how can I best move forward on this spiritual path in this moment? Yeah, uh, you know, another thing about when we say doing the next right thing, it's a way of breaking things down so that um, we're not getting totally overwhelmed. Often, you know, when we come into recovery, there's a lot of things that need to be done. A lot of changes need to be made and it can get really overwhelming for us. And if we try to do too much too fast, um, you know, there, there can be a risk of relapse or, you know, just taking on too much. And so, when we when we advise people, you know, just do the next right thing, it's breaking that down. You don't have to figure it all out right now. You don't have to know the end game. You don't have to know how it's all going to turn out. I mean, that was a revelation to me. I don't know about you, but yes. I thought I had to have everything figured out. So that idea that I can just focus on, you know, if we just simply did the next right thing instead of the next wrong thing or the next impulsive thing or the next ego driven thing, you know, if we just, and you talked about stopping for a moment. And I love that because it's that pause, that sacred pause. Am I going to run into this next situation full force with, you know, self-will run riot, just forcing my way in? Or am I going to take that moment to pause? 
you know, let's get the higher self on board. Let's get plugged into the higher power. Let's seek a higher understanding of this situation and then move forward and do the next thing, not figure the whole thing out, just do the next right thing. And then trust that it will unfold. Um, it will unfold in order. It, all things will become clear. You know, I like to say God works on a need to know basis. You don't need to know it all right now. You know, it will be revealed as it unfolds. And that breaks it down to a much more manageable um, chunk for us to deal with. But it all comes down to that pause, taking that pause and stopping and choosing to seek the guidance of a higher consciousness, the higher power, whatever that is for us, rather than just charging full force into things. Yeah, that's you know I'm I'm remembering now something that I was told uh, early on that was very helpful uh, because uh, I know that I and I've heard this about others uh, we can have a tendency to be pretty grand about things everything's got to be a big plan and a big so the next right thing you know and my brain's going oh maybe I should move to Costa Rica and start a church and and then I could I could have like a a newsletter, maybe that could become a journal. And, and, and when really, really the next right thing is I should put my socks on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The next right thing is almost always right in front of my face. Yeah. It's the thing that I'm trying to like, man, I wish I could see past all this so I could, you know, quit the, the next right thing, all capital letters, you yeah. know, with the chorus of angels and all that. But in reality, the next right thing is often so mundane that I miss yeah. it. Not because I don't know what God's will is for me, but because I, my, my mind wants something big and special right. when in reality, what the very best thing that I can do for myself, uh, my family and everyone around me is, you know, put my socks on or, you know, whatever it is. I use that as an example because it may well be that make that phone call, you know, yes. that I'm putting off reply to those emails that people yeah. are waiting for replies on little things like that, that are absolutely not, you know, big and grand in, in the big picture. I love what you said. That just was cracking me up because that is, that's the grandiosity of our thinking. A lot of us, you know, think that way. And then God help me. I'm a three on the Enneagram too. So it's like, you know, you're talking about the journal and everything and I'm thinking, and then I'll be on Oprah. You know? <laughs> and It's like, go big or go home, you know, but what you made me think about is that it's a mindfulness practice. Doing the next right thing is a mindfulness practice. It's being present to what is happening right here and right now. I love that way of looking at it. I have not heard that before. I'm I'm going to steal that totally, a mindfulness Perfect. practice. But let's change it up now and turn our attention to a question or a comment from you, our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up. Uh, what is the best way for me to know what the next right thing is anyway? Well, we kind of been talking about it, but Michelle, how would you answer that if someone asked you? Okay, well, the, like I said just previously, is the pause. Take the sacred pause. Um, you know, Jesus always went apart 
you know, to spend time in communion with God. So remove yourself from the situation and take a few minutes to get centered, to get connected, to tap into divine mind, to trust that all the answers are there. We just need to get ourselves out of the way and seek the, and seek divine mind, seek that higher consciousness in all things. Yeah, the phrase that comes to mind for me, then the way I first learned this uh, some years ago is inner guidance. Yes. I, I check my guidance is another way I've heard that expressed. Not sure what to do. Check your guidance. Mm -hmm. um, and and practice is a big part of it as well. You know, practicing this, yes. taking that breath, uh, being willing to pause for a moment, being willing to slow down enough to do this, you know, checking of the inner guidance thing. Well, what is that anyway? Well, it's mostly just taking, slowing down. Uh, yeah. Taking a breath and and you know feeling you know how do I feel now what's what's happening with me I wiggle my fingers and my toes to get some of my mental focus into my body mm -hmm. because that is a, that's something that helps me be more present right here and right now and if I yes. can simply become present to right here and right now the next right thing's pretty clear usually when it's unclear to me it's because my mind has taken off and is halfway around the world. And yep. for, for me, what that looks like is planning. You know, when, when, I, when, my, when I move in the opposite of my healing uh, direction, what that looks like is planning. So yes. I could, okay, I could do this, and then I could do that, and yeah. then what, what would happen? But I better make sure that I have this, so that if that happens, you know, you know how that is. Your mind just oh, go, yes. go, 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 go. So all that planning. So how do I check inner guidance? Uh, just turn within and slow down for a moment, and it'll probably be right there. Yes, absolutely. So in Unity, we love to use affirmations to really drive these truths home. And so we could use the affirmation today, the presence of the spirit within guides me in all my ways. I think that says it in a nutshell. The presence of the spirit within. Within being the underlined word, the presence of the spirit within guides me in all my ways. It's there. I just have to be willing to turn within and to check it. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope you have found something that will help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion. And thank you to everyone who's listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. And until then, have a wonder-filled week. A wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition 
and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.